Benvenuto. Welcome back, fellow coffee and book lovers. We are continuing on in Coffee, a Connoisseur's Companion by Claudia Rodin at the top of page 76. Let's get started. Additives and Substitutes The usual reason for additives in coffee is economy. Though chicory and figs are the only two that have achieved popularity for their own sake, many others have been tried in the past. When Frederick the Great of Prussia made coffee an expensive state monopoly in 1781, the poorer classes had to either steal or to fall back on substitutes. They tried barley, wheat, corn, chicory and dried figs, roasted and ground. In England, after the Great Fire in 1666, strange substitutes appeared such as betony, the root of a plant belonging to the mint family, as well as bocket or saloop, a decoction of sassafras and sugar. General Sherman, in his memoirs of his experiences in the American Civil War, lists substitutes for the drink which had become indispensable for the soldiers, including Indian corn, sweet potato, and the seed of the okra plant. All types of grains, as well as sugar and molasses, and even pieces of bread, roasted and ground, have served as substitutes. An incredible variety of nuts, cereals, and vegetables have been used at one time or another, from acorns and beans to beetroots and carrots, juniper berries and rice. Dandelion root is still used today and can be found ready ground or in soluble form in health food shops. The list defies imagination. Apart from the caramel produced in roasting, it is a mystery to me how these substitutes could have tasted anything remotely like coffee. A story is told of Prince Bismarck who, when in France with the Prussian army, entered a country inn one day and asked the host if he had any chicory in the house. He had. Bring it all then, all you have. The man obeyed and brought a full canister and a couple of small boxes, half filled with chicory. Are you sure this is all you have? asked the Chancellor. Yes, my lord, every grain. Then, said Bismarck, leave this here and now go and make me a pot of coffee. There is a special fondness for chicory in France. Italians, Dutch, and Germans like it too, though in a lesser way. In England, it is associated with the restrictive period of the last war, though some still like its slightly bitter taste, which they have acquired in those years. It is used in the catering trade to make coffee go further by giving it more color and body. The use of chicory originated in Holland in 1770. Chicory, succory, or secorum intibus, is a perennial plant which grows to a height of about three feet and bears pretty little blue flowers. Its leaves make a lovely salad. The long taproot is cut into slices, dried in a kiln, then roasted and ground in the same way as coffee. Use about 20% chicory with your coffee if you wish to make your own mixture. Another addition, which is rapidly becoming popular in this country, is dried figs. This combination is now mass-produced and known as Viennese coffee. Instant coffee. Nescafe, Noes cafe. Nescafe is not coffee. 
is a slogan for purists in Mexico, where soluble coffee has become the trendy drink, a curious phenomenon which has overtaken many of the countries where people have a coffee tree in their backyard. Nevertheless, instant coffee is usually made with real coffee and with coffee alone. Soluble coffee, with its unvarying taste, quickness of preparation, and no grounds, came into its own during the First World War when it was shipped in large quantities to the American forces serving in Europe. It is in the dry, soluble extracts that the poorer grades from Brazil and the robustas from Africa and elsewhere find oblivion. Although manufacturers, whether in the multinational brands or in the private label coffees, have made great efforts toward improving and offering different flavors and roasts, none has yet been able to capture the fine aroma nor the unique subtleties of flavor of freshly made coffee. Chapter 4. The Perfect Cup Brewing In 1845, Eliza Acton wrote, There is no beverage which is held in more universal esteem than good coffee, and none in this country, at least, which is obtained with greater difficulty. We hear constant and well-founded complaints from foreigners and English people of the wretched compounds so commonly served up here under its name. When I wrote the first edition of this book, a coffee man, head of one of the most important firms of mass-produced coffees, once confided to me that he usually started his lectures to women's institutes with the phrase, not one of you can make coffee properly, followed by the questions, which one of you warms the pot? Which one waits? the full four minutes for the coffee to brew. He played on the lack of confidence which spoils coffee making for the great majority, trying to put the blame on others for the mediocrity of his coffee. Things have changed in the last 17 years, but unfortunately coffee making is still enveloped by a mystique which makes it appear more difficult than it is. There is nothing mysterious about making coffee. Indeed, it could not be more simple. You can make it like tea by pouring nearly boiling water over it, then straining it into a cup. Israelis pour boiling water over pulverized coffee in a cup, add a little sugar, and drink it, leaving the grounds clinging to the bottom of the cup. It is called bots, and it is perfectly good and as easy as instant coffee. But as coffee lovers know, coffee has to be made with love and respect for it to live up to its aromatic and flavorsome promise. Various methods find advocates for reasons of taste, culture, habit, and lifestyle. Each method achieves a certain distinctive character. It is worth trying them all to discover your preference before becoming a victim of habit. Nor is there anything wrong in developing a taste for one particular style. Familiarity can develop the ritual of brewing to a fine art. As far as public drinking is concerned, Espresso coffee is probably the most popular type of coffee in the world, now for its distinctive, intense flavor, while the French press or plunger method, the cafeterier, is probably the most popular way of making coffee at home. There is an extraordinary variety of equipment and machinery available on the market, but none is essential to make an excellent coffee with fully developed flavor, aroma, strength, and body. All you may need is a jug or a saucepan. However, there are some very efficient and attractive pots and devices about, each providing a brew that varies slightly from that of the others. I will leave off here today, near the bottom of page 80, and we'll continue on next morning, 
in coffee a connoisseur's companion thank you for listening